1: Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick and My guest this week is Claude Silver. Claude is the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia and her life's purpose is to be of joyful service and unlock emotional optimism and all, which we will get into today. But first off, Claude, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast.
0: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You bet. So the one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you?
0: <laughs> I love that question. You can hear I have a little mischievous laugh back there. <laughs> One thing people might not know about me is I love music and I I, I love music and I am incredibly devoted to my 80s, my um, dark wave, new wave, whatever you want to call it. I've seen The Cure 18 times and will continue to see them as long as they're playing. So, my music is everything to me and uh, especially that genre of music just takes me to a place of just great comfort and I guess stability, which is kind of funny because in adolescence you don't have a lot of stability, but I think those songs that, um, that are near and dear to me and the, and the performers are just, I don't know, they did something to me and I'm hooked for life.
1: I love it. Yeah. My very first CD was Jock Jams and <laughs> I, I opened it up and I was so excited. I I actually snapped it in half if I, oh. as I was trying to get it. But 80s is still, uh, I love going back and, and listening to the, to the 80s uh, jams.
0: The funny thing is you're referring to a CD and I'm still referring to tapes, cassette yeah.
1: tapes. Right. Very cool. <laughs> well, Is another one kind of a blast from the past The where I want to start and I think where it all started was uh, with your Nana. So tell me more about her.
0: Yeah, my Nana was my person. She lit up rooms and she didn't even know it. She was that person that, as I've shared many times before, she would go out of her way to make someone feel special, to make someone feel seen and that they mattered. And yeah. what that usually came across as is, you know, getting her changed from the checkout person at Trader Joe's or wherever and looking yeah. up at the name tag and saying, Nick, Nick looking down, yeah, would you do me a favor and have a peaceful day? And there's something so pure about that offering that she gave to people. She didn't have to. She earned her keep. She was 90, 95, 98, 100 when she was still doing that, but she did it, and she did it freely. And what Nana infused in me is that it is okay to be a feeler. It's okay. It's more than okay. Like, go for it. I'm not going to be a rocket scientist, <laughs> and nor was she. But we had something else, and she spotted that in me at an early age, I believe, and and helped Groom it, cultivate it, accept it. And I wouldn't, there's no way I would be here today doing what I do, feeling how I feel about humans without her mentorship and her
1: love. Man, I love the fact that I asked that question because of how you answered it. It feels like she was so important in your life and still is even today one of the things that I did notice and that I saw was that you named her heart. So tell me about that.
0: She named me heart. She named me heart. And so I called her heart as almost like a return. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't even know because I was seven, eight, nine years old when she started calling me her heart. And so I started calling her my heart, and we'd get on the phone. Hi, heart, it's your heart calling. And I, you know, I called her a lot. And then, you know, interestingly enough, Gary would give me this incredible title of Chief Heart Officer. Nana was alive uh, when I got this role. When we when we crafted this role, so she knew I was stepping into something that was very much me and very much just heart centered and and human centered. So. You know, I just, I, I don't even know what to say about it. I have so many letters from her still that just say, you know, dear heart or dear my heart, mm-hmm. very special, very, very special. And yeah, she's with me all the time.
1: I love that. And so Gary V. or Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who is leading VaynerMedia, uh, gave you that title. Tell us more about VaynerMedia for those who don't know.
0: So VaynerX actually is our umbrella, kind of our holding company, where we house a lot of our different companies and different companies that Gary is building or acquiring. VaynerMedia is the advertising agency within the largest company. We are a, a global advertising agency, creative. It's a it's a wonderful place where creative and strategy meet, which is very different than other traditional advertising agencies, and our biggest MO is to really go after the hearts of the consumer. It's really to be empathetic to that consumer in various ways, various emotional ways, but uh, in authentic ways. And that's the key, I think, What what with what we do. Everything we do is on social platforms for the most part. We might have a Super Bowl ad here and there. But we want to be where attention is. And we, you and I both know that attention is here and attention is here on very specific platforms. And so uh, that's where we are. And really, you know, as Gary would say, dominating TikTok right now.
1: I love listening to, to Gary Vee. And I, the, the, what I like specifically about that is that you're not just saying we're on Instagram today and we're going to stay on Instagram because it's working you are listening to the market and you're trying to adapt. And according to what the, where, the, where the market goes, instead of saying, well, it's working now, I'm not going to change. And it seems <laughs> yeah. like there's that constant discomfort for the right reason to transition to TikTok, transition to that next thing, wherever that's going to be in six months.
0: You're saying exactly what he would say, which is we're, we're platform agnostic. And based on what we're seeing and hearing in comments and, you know, going deep into into comments and community managing those, we're seeing kind of where the conversation is or where it will be tomorrow.
1: So you talked about it's all important to focus on the heart. When it comes to leaders, what does it take to lead from the heart?
0: You know, that's that's a phenomenal question that I don't know has ever been asked to me in such a clear form. I'm going to say that it truly takes someone that has a heart to help, a heart to serve, a heart to go into the fire, a heart to eat last. I mean, someone that really cares about the growth and the trajectory of another human being or the roadblocks of another human being. And so in order to do that, you must, I believe, also be willing to share some of your warts because it would be one thing if I had a heart to help, but I just never shared parts of myself. You would only be getting like the cardboard version of me. But when I share and when leaders that have hearts and leading from the heart, people understand that, oh yeah, we're human too. Oh, that's right. My blood's red just like your blood's red. Oh, there might be some similarities here. So Getting off of that and out of that ivory tower, getting off of from on high, being with the people and understanding that we're all waking up. We all have to take the dog out. We all have to take the kids to school. We all choose to work out or meditate in the morning. We are all so similar and so alike, and kind of coming down from there and being human with other humans. Long winded way of saying having a heart to help and being a great listener. And springing into action when you know to spring into action.
1: Well said. I appreciate that answer. And, you know, you're also in charge of the of the hiring process. It's the it's the people in the in the experience. So when you're looking to because you're hiring a human, you're not hiring a resume. And so when you're looking to hire that next person, what's the most important trait that you're looking for when you're hiring that that person?
0: I can give you the most important trait, period. And then, of course, per role, it's very, you know, it's nuanced. The yes and, the person that says yes and, that person that sees possibility rather than no, rather than a closed door, rather than we got to do it because the client said. So how about wondering? How about, you know, saying, well, yes, and let's think of it this way. So that, I think, is the biggest trait that we're looking for, and that comes in the form of positivity, optimism, a belief in doing things differently. And so that's really what we're looking for. And in fact, when I am doing any interviewing, my question is always, you know, paint, paint the perfect job for me. Just paint it. Tell me what it's like. Or by the way, you just got ten million dollars and you never have to work another day in your life. What would you do? And if they paint for me the job description, I'm like, no, no, no. Please don't try to please me. I actually want to know what you would do. Would you go fishing in Bali every single day? Would you open up an orphanage and you know study to be a rabbi? Like, what would you do? That's what. That's what we want to know. Show me what you would do. Show me how you think through that. And then, of course, we ask you know, open-ended questions. So, tell me about a time that you failed. Tell me about a time that you succeeded. Listening for I statements, listening for we statements, those types of things are really going to help us at least accelerate the process. Because skills are commoditized. Let's be honest. Like we can a data, you know, we can get a data analyst. And a data analyst and a data analyst. Do we get the person that really wants to be here and get into it with us and grow and do something disruptive in the market? Or is this just another job? And if it's just another job, that's okay too. They just might not be here forever.
1: I like that because people tend to write scripts of their life and they tend to bring a shell of themselves instead of their whole self to that resume or to that job interview. And they're, they're saying, okay, well, Claude's going to ask these 10 questions for sure, but you're trying to get past that second, third level where you're actually seeing the human being saying, let's get honest, let's get vulnerable a little bit and tell me who you are because I can already tell what you've done.
0: Yeah. You're hitting the nail on the head there because, or head on the nail, whatever, whatever you say, um, Because actually when I go into interviews, yes, I've looked at your CV or yes, I've looked at you on LinkedIn, but I don't, it's not that I don't care about that. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about you and your lived experience of being a copywriter or your lived experience of being a social media, you know, video editor. And what is that like to tell stories? It's just a different way of thinking. And there's no harm, no foul. And you know, you can do the old way. I used to do that too. I used to go in with the list of questions that I was asked to ask, and that you know, that got me so far. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
1: Very cool. So, your life purpose is to be of joyful service and unlock emotional optimism. What does it mean to unlock emotional optimism?
0: It's actually exactly what we're talking about, which is to facilitate, assist, be a passenger with someone on their journey as they go through the ups and downs, which we will go through 20 million times in our lifetime. We all have them, but to help someone see. The blue sky to help someone to literally be that anchor or that island for someone while they feel their feelings to help them understand that they are not their feelings. The feelings are merely data, it's merely information. And to be there as they travel through to the other side. So, emotional, we're all emotional creatures but we sometimes think, oh my God, you're so emotional. What a downer. Boo. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. You're so emotional. Yay. Yes. And you are not your emotions. So let's work through what you're working through and let's get you to the next side because there's a lot of great stuff that's waiting for you. And knowing that you have the ability each and every one of us has the ability to either hang on to those emotions and become those emotions, and that is who we, that we are the label of sad, or to understand that we can reframe, that situation made me sad. I am not a sad person. Very different.
1: So the emotions don't define the person.
0: Correct. And, you know, not everyone is of an, uh, an optimist. Not everyone sees positivity. And that's great. That's, we need everyone in this lifetime. Right. Yeah. But I don't believe, and and I say this from a very naive place, but also a lived experience place. I don't believe people want to be curmudgeons. I don't believe they're happy in their skin carrying that. That doesn't mean they need to be the cheerleader and the champion for every, you know, whatever. But I don't think people want to carry that heavy baggage that we all carry from time to time. I think that we want to find, that's why self-help, I mean, self-help books are enormous. We're all flocking to motivational uh, memes and whatnot on Instagram or wherever you are. You know, we want to swim to the surface. So how do we do that? And we need guides to help us do that.
1: It's, uh, It's cool that you get that opportunity and we all do. Honestly, is to be the be the guide for that next person in line, or the person that's a little bit below us, or the opportunity to reach up and and get advice from others. So, you know, one of the things that you talk about is having a honey empire. Mm-hmm. And tell me more about that. What? How have you built that at at VaynerX?
0: Yeah, I, I love that. It is really, um, it's something we call our culture internally. Honey, obviously, is putting people first and taking care of people. You wouldn't have a role like me. You certainly wouldn't have a CEO like Gary if there wasn't honey. It would be empire. It would just be called empire. (laughs) Um, But doing the right thing, being the bigger person in situations, trying to be the bigger person, trying to become more self-aware, taking accountability Lending a hand. Yes, let me show you all my documents. They're not private. I want you to be the best you. That's honey. The empire is actually the business part. If we do the honey right, we will be successful, not only for our clients, not only for our bottom and top line, but for the human beings because they will grow. So empire is really quite frankly, it's a little bit more serious in nature because it's when the rubber hits the road. If we've done this right, the rubber will, you know, the proof is in the pudding, whatever the metaphors are. And that's really important to us. That is really important. And it was just, I don't know, maybe six months ago, maybe four months ago, this is after working with Gary for eight and a half years, that he said, our culture is in a great spot. Let's focus more on the empire right now. And I was like, Mm. I totally, I I agree and I hear. That doesn't mean take my foot off the gas with the people at all. It means we've done what we need to do. There's There's more people scaling this culture than ever. And now we can really focus on training and teaching people how to become the best business people they could be, how to become the best creative copywriters they could be. Now we can really focus on the crafts.
1: So I fully believe that it, it is so important to focus on the culture, but there are some naysayers out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when somebody's saying, well, that's great, but I need to focus on my bottom line first. I need to focus on empire first. What advice would you have? But like, what is, what is the ROI for a great culture?
0: Yeah. So the, so for, first and foremost, what isn't the ROI? Happiness. People being happy, people being, people not having the Sunday scaries, people wanting to come to work and collaborate, wanting to come back to the office or wanting to work from home and be on Zooms, whatever it is. Like, what isn't the ROI? The ROI is abundant. That's what it is. The naysayers, and there are plenty out there. What I want to say to the naysayers is, when did you decide to lock your heart away? When did you decide to be a militant ruler, to say no, to keep people in line, in check, to check up on people? When did that happen? Because it didn't happen when you were four and six and eight and 12. It didn't. We were still dreamers then. We were still intuitive. We were still mystics. We still believed in magic. But then what happens is data, 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 bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. But if you don't have people to work on your bottom line, then there is no bottom line. If you don't treat people well and right and make agreements with them, hey, I'm going to give you at-bats so much opportunity to work on Fortune 50 brands, growth, opportunity, training career development, you can move geographies. And what I ask from you is to give me your energy, your passion, and your yes and. So you need those people to work on the bottom line. And that's what I would say to those naysayers. You're not going to get it by cracking a whip. This is just not the generation that's going to tolerate that. You know, I'm a Gen Xer and we tolerated that and we packed our life away and clocked in and clocked out and no one was the wiser. 10 out of 10 conversations I have, 9 out of 10 are all around mental health. So I'm I'm taking us on a little bit of a journey because it's important. And it's important for those naysayers to understand that you will have burnout and you will lose that top performer guaranteed in today's day and age because they don't have to do that anymore. They don't have to work like that. They can go and start a dog walking business and make $120,000 a year cash.
1: So you were talking about, I mean, there's so much there and <laughs> that we could just have a whole nother podcast, let alone episode on that. But you, you have the right crew right now. You have the right honey. You guys are growing at a, an amazing rate. And as X continues to grow, how do you care for so many heartbeats?
0: Yep. And that's the part of scaling the culture. That's the part of scaling the heart. And so What's really important for me is to continue to make sure that I'm reaching out and spending time with as many people as I possibly can and in really empowering and finding those culture champions out there that care about people just as much as I do, that want to listen to people just as much as I do. So we've got culture champions in every office. They have a day job. They, they definitely have a day. They might be in the finance team, whatever but they care. And those people will go and take that person out for a 15 minute coffee or get on Zoom for 15 minutes. And then I have this incredible team called the people and experience team. And we do quote unquote HR differently here. We truly, we give people benefit of the doubt. People are innocent and trusted before, which is very different from the organizations of yesterday. And still some of today, whereas you have to earn my trust, my friend, you're new, you got to earn my trust. That's not how it is here. That isn't. So those that, that the ethos itself, you know, of wanting to be the bigger person and wanting to be a better person today, that's in the water here. And you're coming to Vayner, you know, 90% of you are coming to Vayner because of that. 10% of you are coming to Vienna because you just don't, you need a job and just don't know any better, which is fine. And then you come in here and you say to me nine months later, God, I I, I really was looking for the pothole. I swear I knew I was going to find someone who was a curmudgeon, but I haven't found that person
1: yet, Claude. That's refreshing to hear because there are a lot of potholes in this world, uh, yeah. not just in New York City, but uh, across across the world. <laughs> And so it's when somebody is looking for those potholes and they don't find it, they tend to stay longer and you give them opportunity for growth and not just where they're at today, but where they can be or where they want to be. That's, it's just really cool. Uh, one of the things that I don't want to, to drop by the wayside is you are talking about mental health. You mm-hmm. said nine out of the 10 conversations are around mental health. What, what's changed? Why, why is the, the talk about 90% of the time about mental health? when it wasn't in the past?
0: Well, I, I really do think it's generational. And on one hand, I think that uh, this generation in particular, and it's a, gen, it's a generalization on a generation, uh, really does want to destigmatize mental and emotional health. Everyone goes through something Some people have chemical imbalances. Some people get jarred and triggered at work from a past trauma. Everyone's got something. And I believe that we have empowered and or this generation has empowered themselves to speak up and say, this is what I need. How are you going to provide it to me? This is what I want. When are you going to provide that to me? This is what I need. And my friend at the other place has this thing. And I think we should use this. So... Everyone is now paying attention, I believe, to themselves in a more holistic way, which uh, the the pandemic gave us pause to do that. The pandemic also gave us pause to feel what we may have been masking, a la working so much, burnout, not having a balance, so to speak. And here we are in a in a new day and age where. Everyone is talking about leadership being more empathetic, using vulnerability in Forbes columns, you know, using words such as soft skills, all of that stuff in any magazine that you and I open. So it's here. Awareness is here. And people are now feeling, I believe, more empowered to speak up and to destigmatize what has previously been said. Stigmatized, and by the way, has really caused a lot of harm in this world. It's not perfect, not perfect by any means, but I enjoy those conversations because it tells me that someone is interested in cracking their code. Someone is interested in understanding more about themselves. Someone is interested in feeling better than they do with ADHD running around without a treatment
1: for it. It it does take vulnerability, too, both from The person that's dealing with that and also the person that that is about to hear that and whatever that issue is. And how do you have empathy in the moment? How do you have How are you active listening to them, hearing where they're at and just being present sometimes is is the goal?
0: Well, you said all the you said everything, all of the actions, which is being present and listening and knowing that you don't have to have the answers. And also knowing it's not about you. That's the secret. None of it is about you. None of it is about me. And that's why I can do what I'm doing with repetition, because it's not about Claude's ego. How am I getting fed? I'll get fed, and I've gotten fed. This is about them. And, and going back to your initial question about, you know, leading from heart and what do you need to have to lead from heart? You need to understand that this isn't about your ego. So you don't have to have the answer. You can help connect people to potential answers, solutions, other people, books, whatever. But this isn't the Claude show. This is their show.
1: That should be your new swag is not the Claude show and scary Sundays and... (laughs) I, I see a new line coming up for you. I
0: tell you, I know, God, scary Sundays I used to have, you know, they're a terrible feeling. It's terrible feeling. Yeah. Glad well, I don't have,
1: no. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't seem like you have those today. So uh, that's, it's a great place to be in. But I wrap up every single podcast with two questions. And the first one is, is what book, person or experience has influenced you the most in the past year? So I'll pause there and then I'll wait for the next one.
0: I'm a huge Tara Brock fan, and she uh, she wrote a book called Radical Acceptance years ago. She has another book called Trusting the Gold, which has been instrumental to me. I listen to it on Audible, and I'm rewinding, rewinding, rewinding constantly. She has a way of, of being in this world and understanding human behavior and coming at it from a mo- much more, let's call it Buddhist philosophy. And it speaks to me and it, it, it soothes me. And uh, that's, been, that's been incredible. I would say that, you know, Glennon Doyle and her podcast are great. But let's stick with Tara Brock. She's been just a, a rock that I go back to time and time and time again. And her podcast is great
1: also. That's great. And then the second one that I have for you is if you could leave a note to every single customer experience professional, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say?
0: Do not be afraid to show love.
1: I like it. Yeah, it's, it's so simple, but it's not easy.
0: That's not easy. I think we need to give people permission to then figure it out for themselves. What does that mean for them? Uh, you know, love all mushy gushy? No, love is an extension of it's generosity. It's it's attention.
1: Yeah if my listeners are saying, this lady is amazing, how do I find, how do I connect with her and uh, start following her stuff? Where do they, where do they go? Oh,
0: thank you. Uh, please come to LinkedIn. I'm super active there. Instagram, my website, uh, claudsilver.com. I, I, I'd love to uh, hear from anyone and I get back to everyone that that writes. Might take me a little bit of time, but I love knowing what people are up to.
1: That's great. And I will make sure that's in the show notes. So, take a peek there. So you're not having to search for it, but, um, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say, and I think it's, it comes full circle is I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time that you put in and, and, your expertise and just, uh, what you're doing out there in this world. And I want to say, would you do me a favor and have a nice day?
0: I will. Thank you, Nick.
1: Hey listeners. Can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? if so please consider sharing this episode with them and last if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests you can go to press one forward slash podcast thank you for listening to this episode of press one for nick if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and share until next time focus on your customers
0: thanks for joining us for this session of cx of m radio